Thank you so much, team, and love that song, and what a powerful reminder of God's presence with us through the Holy Spirit, and uh, excited to walk through the Word this morning. Psalm 121, if you got your Bibles, please uh, join me there, and I do pray that everybody had a sweet time celebrating Christmas, and just, uh, just even through that season, being reminded of why why we celebrate Christmas, and it is because of Christ, it's because of His grace, it's because of His love, it's because of His care, it's because of the gift of relationship with Him. And, and I know maybe for many of you, uh, even this week, there were Christmas traditions that you uh, maybe took part in, maybe like years and year-long traditions that maybe you've always done, or, or maybe started some new traditions. Uh, I know for many folks, uh, part of Christmas time is packing bags and loading up the car and going somewhere. Maybe it's a, a family getaway or maybe to see family in another city or another state even. And so uh, just curious uh, how many people, and I, and I think of road trip, thinking of road trip, packing up the bags, getting the car and going. Who in the house today loves a good road trip? Anybody love a good road trip? All right. So I see some road trip people. I love a good road trip. And the thing about a road trip is typically it almost always happens is that with every road trip, there are surprises along the way. <laughs> and there are things that in the moment make it not so fun and not so memorable, but maybe it's years later that you can look back and you can maybe laugh or you can uh, giggle or wow, that was wild. Uh, just, uh, uh, well, I guess it's been a little more than a few years ago, I was attending school at a little institution about an hour from here in a place called Oxford and it was a Friday and and uh, I was off work on that Friday and so my buddy also was off work and so we looked at each other and we were like let's go camping in the Smokies so we we just got our sleeping bag and didn't really think through a whole lot of details there but just got in his car and then made our way from Oxford up to uh, outside Gatlinburg we found a trail around 10 o'clock at night we went and hiked up the trail we found a little clearing and we're like, this would be a great place to camp in the night. So we lay out our sleeping bags and sleep on the dirt. Good times, good times so far. <laughs> and so the next morning we wake up and we're like, you know, let's go ride around. Let's see what's going on. And, you know, if you've ever been up there, the roads are like perfectly flat and straight and no curves or anything like that. Uh, completely the opposite. You know, it's all like this right here. And, and so we're doing some little traveling and all of a sudden smoke just just starts pouring out of the hood. And that's never good. <laughs> you know, it's never good. And so we pull over and we've got the hood popped. We have no idea what we're doing. And, and some gracious fellow, Saul, must have seen the look on our eyes and like, these guys need help. And so he pulled over and he looked at us and he looked at the car and he said, I uh, spotted it real quick. He said, it's your radiator. You got a cracked radiator. And he said, you need to get this fixed immediately. And so we're like, okay, we're broke college students. And <laughs> how is this going to work? And, and he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He in, he, in his car, he had a gallon of water. And I don't know how many of you just carry gallons of water in your car, but he had a gallon of water, handed it to us. He said, here's what you need to do. He said, don't drive over 30 miles an hour and stop ever so often and pour more water in your radiator. He said, and you'll be able to get to the, the shop to get it fixed. And so... For hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, we made the long journey from outside of Gatlinburg, somewhere up there, back to Oxford, stopping 
every so often going no more than 35 miles an hour and it was one of the most miserable experiences of my entire life. So why do I say that story? Number one, keep a gallon of water in your car, okay? Just, just you never know. Maybe there's some guys and, and they need some help, okay? So a gallon of water. But two was this, is that in the journey, we had no idea what we were going to come up against. We had no idea everything we would see. But it was on the way that we always had a song playing. Whether it was a CD or whether it was a radio, there was always a song playing that kind of carried us through the hours and the hours and the hours and through the night and through the night and through the hours. A song to carry us along. That is in some ways what the psalm served as for God's people. That the Psalms, they're tucked away in the Old Testament, served as both a prayer book and a song book for God's people as they waited for the Messiah. Every Psalm that you read will carry one or two themes typically. It will be a theme of cry or it will be a theme of praise. And sometimes you even see those interwoven in with one another through those Psalms. And so what these Psalms did was they provide both the believers then and believers today, I believe with two very important things, they give us permission and they give us perspective. They give us permission in that when you read the Psalms, you will hear honest cries and honest praise. In it, it gives us perspective. So it's not only in the cries, but it's also every Psalm lands on its feet. Every Psalm lands in a place of trusting God no matter what? I love what Eugene Peterson says about the Psalms. He said the Psalms were the primary way that believers learned to pray about everything they lived and to live everything they prayed. And so tucked inside these Psalms are what's called the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, there's 15 of those. And in your Bible, it probably has the Psalm and then right underneath it, maybe in italics, it says that it's a Psalm of Ascent. Now, what these psalms of ascent were, were these were 15 psalms tucked away, and these were sung by Hebrew pilgrims that would make their way to the mountain city, Jerusalem, for the annual festivals. And so as Jewish males, and they would lead their families, as three times a year they would go up to Jerusalem. And so even in the scriptures, even if you see that whether it's Paul or whoever, maybe they're speaking from somewhere north of Jerusalem, they will say, we'll go up to Jerusalem. Even though they're going south, they're going up because in Jerusalem, it's the mountain city. It's nestled there in the hills. And so whether you're coming from the north, whether you're coming from the south, whether you're coming from the east, whether you're coming from the west, anywhere you would make your way towards Jerusalem for these festivals, you would be ascending to the mountain. You'd be ascending your way to Jerusalem. And what would happen is they would sing these songs on their way. They would sing these songs on their way. Those three festivals, one was it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also known as Passover. And so this would be the festival where they celebrate the great miracle of the Old Testament, Israel being released from Egyptian bondage. And this would all be to refresh their memory of what the great miracle that God had done. You also see that they would make their way to the Feast of Harvest. It would later be known as the Feast of Pentecost, and they would celebrate the provision of God. And then there was a third, and it was called the Feast of Ingathering. 
It was also known the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. And what it did was it also would, would uh, bring that memory of God's great miracle of His rescue of His people from Egypt. And also, this would be the same time, the same day, where the temple was dedicated by Solomon in the Old Testament. In Exodus 23, verse 14 and 17, the Bible says, Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field, and you shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year. And when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor, three times in the year you shall all your males appear before the Lord. It says again later in Exodus 34, 22 through 24, it says, You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, the feast of ingathering at the year's end, and three times in the year you shall all your males appear before the Lord, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders, and no one shall covet your land. When you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times a year. And so, so they're spread out all over Palestine. And on these three times a year, from the youngest of kids to teenagers to young adults, to men, to women, to, to families, they would load their things up and it was time for festival and when it was time to hit the road and they would make their way to Jerusalem. This journey to Jerusalem would be a journey in discipleship. That this would be, God would use everything along the way to shape their faith, to shape their character, to grow them, to stretch them, to teach them to become more and more dependent on God. He would use everything, every step, every challenge, every opportunity to shape who they were becoming so that they would become everything God made them to be. And so they're making this journey and God's going to use it all. I think even in our present day, uh, Robbie Gowdy has written a lot of great books on discipleship and I really enjoy uh, his, his writings and, and he talks about discipleship. In other words, like, this journey of growing and becoming more and more like Jesus, that, that discipleship is not microwavable, but it's, it's more uh, best described as a crock pot. So in other words, somebody comes to Jesus, accepts Christ, repents of their sins, trusts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then like, okay, like throw them in the discipleship microwave one minute on high, and it's like, ding, and it's like fully devoted follower of Jesus has everything in their life together. That's not what it looks like. That's not how it works. Yes, we are in an instant justified. Yes, we are a new creation in Christ, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But sanctification, that is that journey of growing and maturing to become more and more like Jesus. That is a lifelong journey. And that it doesn't happen in a microwave like popcorn or even like instant mashed potatoes. Rather, it is in the crock pot of life over time, and yes, it will be messy every single time. It absolutely is. It always is. And so this morning, we're going to walk through Psalm 121. I read it earlier, but this would have been a song that the Hebrew pilgrims would have sang to help them along the way, to help them along the journey. And I thought it would be fitting to read as we're wrapping up 2020 and we're looking ahead to 2021. Now let's just stop for one moment. 
Let's rewind to the Sunday, last Sunday of 2019. Could you have? <laughs> Would you have? Could you have had even taken a good guess at how this year would unfold and transpire. I was listening to the radio the other day and it was like there was a bit on the radio and uh, they were saying words you hope you never hear again. <laughs> and and so so one of them was social distancing and one of them was uh, what was it quarantine and and and, a, and another one even just said 2020. I just never want to hear the year 2020 again. But these Hebrew pilgrims, they had no idea what they were going to be encountering on their journey, but they knew it was going to be a journey. They had no idea, but it was this specific psalm that would be their bearings. It would be their compass. It would be their encouragement. It would be their direction. It would give them perspective. And in a lot of ways, Psalm 121 is like loving, grace-filled correction to how we are ought to approach life and live life. So I want to read it through one more time and then just walk through this psalm together this morning uh, as, a, as an encouragement to, to believers in Christ. Verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Three things were for sure. There are dangers that they were going to face and they could anticipate some of those dangers. One of those dangers would be just the, the, the fact that the, the path as they travel, there's going to be loose gravel. There's going to be twists and turns. They're going to have the potential for injury along the way. And so as they are preparing for this journey, they are, they are preparing for the what if. So injury could be a very real part of this journey that they're going to face. They also face the possibility of growing weary from being sunstroke or sunstricken. And so if you can imagine Palestine, the, some of those times that the sun bearing down on them. And so they could anticipate that as they travel, the heat, there's going to be moments where it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really tough. And so there was this kind of like, this is going to happen. And so they're kind of preparing for that, the sunstroke that could potentially happen. They're also preparing for what was called a moonstroke or being moonstruck. And it, the original language there, that word moon is luna. So if we, we get the word lunatic. It speaks of somebody who literally becomes emotionally and mentally unwell because of the fatigue that would set in on the travel. And so here they are, they're preparing not to slip, not to lose their footing, the sunstroke, moonstroke. And so all they know is that they're going to face circumstances and scenarios that are going to be outside of their capacity to fix. And maybe you've been there too. You find yourself in these situations that I can't fix this. And what would happen is they would be tempted to look to the hills. 
They would be tempted to look to the hills. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? I read that in the 21st century, and, and I read that, and I'm like, the hills are beautiful. Mountains are beautiful. I think of the Smokies. I think of the Rockies. And I think of the majesty. I think of the beauty. I think of Creator God. I think of the power of God when I see that. But that's not what these Hebrew pilgrims would have been thinking about. Because in that day, as they would make the travel on the top of the hilltops, the Palestine was run over with pagan worship. And oftentimes it would be temples and altars and shrines to pagan gods, false gods, that would sprinkle the tops of these hilltops all along the way. They were overrun. Sacred prostitution, spells, enchantments, all of these would be a sense of false hope that would help whoever those travelers might be, to make it along the journey. And so, if you fear the sun god, you don't want to get a sunstroke, you go to the sun priest, and you pay some money, and some spell is spoken over you, and you think everything's going to be okay. Maybe you fear being moonstruck, and so you go to the moon priestess, and you pay a price, and have a chant spoke over you, and, and, and you're able to go along your way with some sense of false hope that, Okay, I'm going to be okay. Or even people feeling they're being haunted. And so they go to a shrine, say a chant. In the Old Testament, you would see worshipers of Baal or Asherah, sun priests, moon priests, on the hilltops. On the hilltops. In 1 Kings 18, it's what's known as the showdown between the prophets of Baal and the prophet of God, Elijah. Where are they? They're on the hilltop. They're on the hilltop. And in 1 Kings 18, 27, the Bible says, And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. He is calling out this false God. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 23, the prophet says this, Truly the hills are a delusion. The orgies on the mountains, truly in the Lord our God, is the salvation of Israel. And so the temptation would be real for the Hebrew pilgrim as they make their way and as they're facing struggle and they're facing temptation and they're fo facing circumstances that are difficult for them to choose, their eyes begin, are tempted to look to the hills. That even bad hope can be like good hope at times. We think, we see, they're tempted to look to the hell, the hills. But in the end, these hills are just simply hills. They're going to end in disappointment every time. I think this provides a warning to us that as we walk along the journey of life, that there are temptations that come. There are temptations that come in our weak moments. And they can be to look to the hills for counterfeit comforts. And it can sound like, try this, take this, you deserve this. It can be an unhealthy relationship. It can be ungodly advice that like all this help comes in different shapes and forms but the psalmist is challenging the the hebrew pilgrims listen i lift up my eyes where did my help come from he says this i love it my help comes from the lord who made heaven and he made earth that's where my help comes that's where as a believer that's where our help comes from our help comes from the lord i mentioned psalms give us both permission and they give us perspective that these psalms were the song that they would remember that their hope would be true. The only true transformative divine help doesn't come from creation, but comes from the creator. It comes from God. 
And so the encouragement is, is that sometimes we find ourselves in need and help. And there will be temptations all along the mountaintops of ungodly ways to pursue this help. But in the end, the word reminds us and the song would ring out in their ears. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 24, 1 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and he has established it upon the rivers. This would be encouragement to the listeners. Encouragement for the song as they sing along the way. Verse 3. Psalm 121 says, He will not let your foot be moved. I love that. He won't let your foot be moved. I mentioned earlier the dangers along the way, the possibility to slip, fall. I mean, practically, if you think about it, you got families, people traveling, and and somebody goes down, and what are you doing? You're you're assessing the situation. You're looking at your foot. You're wondering if you're going to make it. What now? What's going to happen? That they would fall, lose steady footing, yet in this song... It is the Lord reminding His children, listen, He will not let your foot be moved. It may feel like everything around you is shaking and twirling, but yet the Word reminds us that in the Word, behold, He who keeps you, or excuse me, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. That's why I love that Paul could say in Romans 8, 28, I'm convinced that God uses all things together for good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. That's why I love what Job says in Job 42, verse 2. He says this, and this is after the whirlwind. He says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And so as we go, what feels like a slip And what feels like a now what moment is under the watchful, loving, sovereign, caring God's watch. That he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I love that. Behold, he who keeps Israel. So we read this and we maybe be thinking about the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. But again, as a Hebrew pilgrim, your mind is going to think to specific things. And when they think of Israel, they were going to think back to the namesake of Israel. That was Jacob. Jacob. If you're familiar with the the story of Jacob, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau, the firstborn, Jacob right behind. If you remember that moment of weakness that Esau gave his birthright to Jacob over a a bowl of stew. And if you kind of play that story out, it's one of the most incredible stories in all the Bible. But but like literally Rebecca, Isaac's wife, and, and Jacob plot a story on how to get the blessing that belonged to Esau on his life. And so much so that Esau was so hairy that while he was out hunting, they got goat skin and put on the smooth of his neck and his hands so it would feel like it was his brother. And he got the blessing. He got the blessing from Esau. But what this reminds us again is, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God's design and God's plan is going to prevail no matter what. God's plan is going to prevail no matter what. And so it is so it is so easy to look around and see the, 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 the struggles, the pandemic, the political unrest, and then lay on top of that the stuff that we're individually walking through. 
and we walk through that. But what encouragement and comfort we find that God's plans will always prevail. They'll always prevail. And he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't have business hours. He's available at 12 at midnight, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is always there. And this would be a a reminder to his people as they make the journey that he's always there. He's their source of help. In verse 5, I love this, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. He keeps us. This, This encourages me along the way because I'm reminded of the security that belongs to the believer. The security that belongs to believer. I think of John chapter 10, verse 28, where Jesus says this, speaking of his sheep, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Earlier through the fall semester, we walked through the letter of Colossians and Colossians 3, 3 says for those in Christ that you've died, you're a new creation for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ. The Lord is your keeper. And I use this illustration and I shared it walking through that series. But as we think of being hidden in Christ, I think of a picture of a hand and I think of of us as a believer being represented by the thumb in our hand. And so if we just lay our thumb down and we rest in the presence of God that we are reminded that we are kept by him that no one can snatch us from his hand and we are hidden in him that if anything's going to get to us it has to go through him first and so as believers we are hidden in him and we find rest now the warning with that is when you put your thumb out all of a sudden it becomes a fist Right? But the rest comes when we rest in Him and we're hidden in Him. He says, verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. There will be challenges. The sun may be harsh. The moon may make you weary. And as you travel, the rest comes and that the Lord is your keeper. He's your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. A lot of times in the scriptures, you will hear repetition You'll hear things over and over and over again. And that is intentional because it is our Lord helping us to understand and hear that this is important for us to get a hold of. I want you to think about this message again. Listen to how many times you hear the word keeper from verse five. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on the right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And the resounding message is where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he holds you. No one can snatch you out of his hand and he keeps you 
all along the journey. He is our protector and our provider. He keeps us. He keeps our life. He keeps our going out and our coming in. God is all powerful and he is watchful and he keeps us. He keeps us. And I love this because it talks about the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. And so there's this, this picture of, listen, you're going to find your times when you need some help and you're looking for help. You're going to be tempted to look to the hills, but don't look to the hills because those are just hills. And those are empty counterfeits that bring help. Help only comes from the Lord. And so you look to the Lord and he will keep your going out and your coming in. It's this idea that no matter what, the pilgrims, as they face the challenges and they need the help, they keep putting one foot in front of the next. I love what one of my mentors taught me. I, I may have shared it here before. It's just that divine human cooperative. And what it is, is it's this picture that God in his grace and his wisdom and in his strength will gift you through the presence and power of Holy Spirit, show you everything you know to do. And then he does what only he can do. You see that all throughout scripture. You see that all throughout the Bible. Christmas night, I was hanging out at my sister's and uh, her neighbor came over and Ms. Angie, one of the most incredible ladies I've ever met. I think I've met her maybe one other time many years ago. And she came in and, and uh, she was talking to my mom and I couldn't help but overhear. Uh, but my mom has faced some different challenges along the way. And I heard her saying, Ms. Rita, you got to keep stepping. You got to keep stepping. You got to keep stepping one foot in front of the next. God has gifted you with life. He wants to give you life and life to the full. And so keep stepping. And this is what I hear resounding is that we would keep stepping for his glory, for his mission. As we continue the journey for us, it's upward to the heavenly city. For the pilgrims, it was upward to Jerusalem to celebrate festival. But for us, it is for our journey upward to the eternal city that we will spend all eternity with not just our maker, but our keeper. And I love this, is that there will be challenges along the way, but God is gracious. He is gracious to keep us, help us, our coming in, our going out, this time and forevermore. And so how do we take this psalm and apply it to our lives? And there are just a couple truths that, that I believe that bring great encouragement for us. Because as we look ahead to a new year, it's possible that we begin this year with more questions than we have answers. It's possible that you look at this year with tears that seem to not have an end. It's possible that many of you have very clear-cut goals for what you want to see happen in 2021. And that this is, this is what God, I feel like God, this is what God wants me to do. And so we have, we have all that, we convinced there are all these things. So here's the thing, all along the way. Would we be encouraged that Psalm 121 would be our song? That this would be our song? Because in this psalm, we are reminded that God's gracious care and help are always uninterrupted. Always uninterrupted. That we are encouraged that God's gracious care and help are without exception. There's not an asterisk. There's not a, 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 a you know, a, some, a footnote down at the bottom to kind of give, well, except for in these situations or these circumstances, that God's gracious care and help are always interrupted. God's gracious care and help are without exception and that God's gracious care and help will keep us without limitation as we journey to the heavenly city, as we make our way 
to spend eternity with our maker. Where does our help come from? Believer, where do you look to for help? Well, God has gifted us with the body of Christ, but there are lots of counterfeits out there. May we look not to the hills, but may we look to the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. And I love this psalm because 11 times God name, God's name is mentioned. 11 times. Again, no coincidence. God is helping teach us. He's teaching us. And three times in this psalm, God's name is referred to as Yahweh. That's intentional. It's his personal name. It's the name he uses to personally relate with his people. It reminds us that he is with us. And as believers, he's not just with us, but he is in us. That there's no trouble that you're going to encounter. No trouble that has any power to get between you and the God who loves you. And nothing can thwart his plan. Nothing. And so the encouragement is that God walks with us personally. As believers, there's personal relationship. And then eight times, his name is used to be described as guardian, the one who guards. And so as we walk through the journey of life, we are encouraged that God desires to walk as our personal Lord and Savior. That he is where our help comes from. That he is our keeper. He is watching our going out. He's watching our coming in. He will not let your foot slip and fall. He will give you steady footing as you seek him and seek him first. And he is personal and he is our protector. He's our guardian. He's the one who guards. And this is our God. And so as we look ahead, and as we look right in front of us, that we would be encouraged that just like the Hebrew pilgrims when it came feast time, I don't know what it looked like, but they started packing their bags and they started getting ready and they put on their shoes and they're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Let's go. The encouragement is that this song was a song they would sing over and over and over again, because with each step of the journey, there would be a temptation where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. And so believer, if you're in the room and you find yourself in an hour and a minute of need, be encouraged. Your help comes from the Lord. And if you're in the room and maybe you've heard the gospel one time, maybe you've heard the gospel a million times. I want you to be reminded today in God's grace and care that he loves you so much. And that he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We just celebrated his birth, the incarnation of Christmas. But yet he came and he was born to die. That he lived a perfect, sinless life. A life that we could never on our best day live. And that he was crucified on a cross and shed his blood to pay the price for our sin. This is how much God loves you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love toward you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that for all of those, the Bible says that confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. You will be saved. And that you can walk in a personal relationship 
that God would grant you His divine sovereign help. He will not let your foot slip. He will watch your coming and your going out. He will keep you. You are hidden in Him, and He will be your protector, and He will be your Lord, and He will lead and guide. And if you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, my encouragement to you is that today would be the day. Today would be the day that you receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Psalm 121. Thank you, God, for the Psalms. Thank you, God, for this song that centuries ago, little kids, teenagers, young adults, men, women, moms, dads, families, that they would they would pack up their bags as believers and they would make their way ascending to the mountain city. That they would make their way ascending to Jerusalem to celebrate, to celebrate, to celebrate feasts. And it was all a reminder of God's grace and God's faithfulness. And that as believers, we are walking this journey. You have entrusted into our care to steward for your glory and for your mission. And God, every believer, every person finds themselves struggling, finds themselves in an hour of need. And God, I pray that it is this song that comes to mind, that it's this song we press play on. It's this song that we even press repeat on. It's this song that we go back to over and over again because we are reminded where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. He made the heaven and He made the earth. It's all His. And He's so faithful that He will not let your foot slip. That He will be faithful to keep you. You're going in, you're going out, all the way until that one day where we reach the heavenly city and spend all eternity with not just our Creator, but our Keeper. Our Lord. And so for believers in the room, I pray that this would be an encouragement of your grace, your love, your care, your power, your sovereignty, your goodness, your love. God, there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And we praise you for that love. And Father, for anyone who may be here today and they're on the journey but maybe the journey has been towards self. Maybe the journey has been towards just living a good life. Maybe the journey has just been more about a career and, or a title or a position. But Father, what's most important is that you have designed us for a relationship. A relationship. And so I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't have a relationship with you, that today they would realize their sin. Realize their need for a Savior. Repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in you and you alone. And you will bring grace and forgiveness and salvation and purpose and help. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Just a few moments, we're going to sing. And we just want to invite you as, as, as 
you may be led to just as just as a time of prayer between us and the Lord. Um, we'll have pastors down front that would love the opportunity to pray over you. If that's something that you would desire, something that you would want, the altar, maybe even your pew, whatever that looks like. And that we would be reminded that our help is from the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I need a relationship with Jesus. I encourage you to please come and to give your life to Christ. Let's honor Him with our hearts and give Him all of ourselves.